Hello, hello. Yes, I'm in your podcast feed a day earlier with the first Star News segment ever. And if this is the first time you're listening to the show, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. This is a new kind of episode that I'm doing as of today. But we are usually out on Thursdays with short thematic series about cosmic witchcraft and other related topics. I realised that I really love doing the forecasts, but they make the episode longer. And that's something that I envision for this podcast is to be a bit like spark notes. I'm a geek with a master's degree in early modern history, so I'm used to researching and using long convoluted texts. So I aim to do the hard work so that you don't have to and you get what you need to know to make your life more magical in less than 30 minutes a week. Plus I bring you guest episodes with amazing people coming to share their wisdom and expertise on topics that will empower you with the knowledge and tools that you need to make yourself and your life better. And starting this moon cycle, one of these tools will be the Star News. I wondered whether it was worth it. After all, almost everyone with an astrology podcast is doing cosmic energy reports. Doing them within the episode gave me a captive audience, at least to the extent that you wouldn't skip them, which you could if you wanted. So it occurred to me that the reason I know that everybody's doing it is that I listen to all of them. Because not only do I need to hear things multiple times for them to sink in, but I also enjoy hearing different people's takes on them because everybody notices different things. So today is an exception to my self-imposed rule of giving people time to prepare for astrological events. Also, this is coming out on the day of the new moon and actually it's coming out a lot later than I originally planned. But Moving forward, we are in fact going to cover the two weeks ahead of the lunation. So technically, while I will mention the new moon in Leo, this is meant to be the waxing moon to prepare you for the full moon in Pisces. I chose to start with the new moon included, so we have the full cycle. <clears throat> As my vision for this podcast was always to foster a community of spiritual seekers learning and growing together so that we can be better and in turn make the world better. So, we started the cycle in Leo at 23 degrees, just after half past 10 this morning for those of us in the UK. Leo themes are things like courage, creativity and fun, and I know I always use Gilbert in Piofiore as the Leo archetype, but it really is such a stereotype of the sign. Anyway, I'm bringing it up because he's a good example of what I'm about to illustrate. For all of its visibility and larger-than-life personality, Leo is the fifth sign of the zodiac that makes it below the horizon. The fifth house it rules is one of the houses that deal with the personal and subjective areas of life that directly impact the development of our personalities and help to shape our individual identities. It is the sign ruled by the sun and yes it asks us to look at things where we shine those qualities and demands that we express ourselves 
which is why the fifth house rules things like art and creativity and having Leon, I mean having like I have, is often seen in the chart of actors and the like. And all that is especially true with Venus, just out of the heart of the sun, while transiting retrograde, that is the case this summer, although looking at a certain Seiyu with a natal Leo Venus being in his main cavalry era more than usual, you would not think that that's the case. Anyway, I digress. Venus, being the planet of all things to do with the senses, asks us to reassess what and who we value, especially, in my opinion, with regards to who we think we are, which has been a big theme this season of the podcast. And that's without considering how much is going on in fire signs dislunation. In Leo alone, we have the aforementioned three planets and Lilith, and Aries sees the North Node and Chiron. So the only one left behind is our mutable friend Sarge, who has nothing transiting yet, since the moon will be reaching it for the first quarter on the 21st. So, we see action in Cardinal and Fitzfire, Fire, with a lot of placements that are intimately connected to our sense of self, like the luminaries, Venus and these two asteroids. The nose for me kind of sit in the middle of the spectrum between our self-concepts and the grand scheme of things, but that's a topic for another time when we are back in eclipse season. The Magic of Eye Planner has the affirmation for the new moon as I radiate the energy of love, loyalty and play, all of which helps me to attune to my true nature. But I don't really resonate with it. For many of us, we are so disconnected to any idea of our true nature that we have a hard time radiating that energy. And giving ourselves space to slow down and rest, let alone play. Rather than radiating that energy, many of us need to soak it in first. And given the transits we have right now, literally just being outside and playing like little children could be a ritual. We have Jupiter in Taurus with Uranus and Saturn and Neptune retrograding Pisces. Only three planets are left in the workaholic signs, with Mars and Mercury in Virgo and Pluto retrograding Capricorn. And then the South Node in Libra just wants to vibe and make things pretty. So it's a solid chart for a day of leisure. So of course it's happening on a Wednesday, when most of us probably don't have the day off. But it's a chance to look at what we can do to bring that energy into our day in small ways. Then the Watsi moon will be going through the southern hemisphere signs within three days, since she'll be in Virgo just next day, tomorrow, Thursday the 17th. And that's the last sign governing a, governing a house of self. So we will be going through that part of the zodiac up until it will be in Pisces, the sign ruling the 12th house. And these are the houses that take what we know of ourselves from the first sets and bring it out to affect the collective. And it's only going to be Moon conjunct Mercury and Mars in Virgo, because that's the only planets that are left in 
the signs of that half of the zodiac. So it's only those areas that you might want to think about if you want to connect to the moon cycle more deeply. As for the other planets, we have a fair few things going on, including two planets stationed in retrograde, and of course, the start of Virgo season on the 23rd. Mars, which will enter Libra on the 27th, is going to continue aspecting the generational planets after the time with Uranus that we had today on the 16th, opposing Neptune on the 22nd, and then in a trine with Pluto on the 25th. Venus will be in a square with Jupiter on the 22nd, which I think is a positive transit, so I don't really like the language of squares and oppositions as art aspects. This aspect brings to life a new desire for growth and new opportunities for expansion if you are primed to see them, which was the theme of this season. Within about 10 hours of the start of Virgo season at 10.02am UK time, Two minutes shy of 9pm, Mercury will go retrograde for the final time this year, having done the tour of the Earth signs. It is the most common retrograde, to the point that most people who are not into astrology will understand the joke about it if Zoom is being a pain, but I think it's mostly a self-fulfilling prophecy. I think that if you respect Mercury's energy, Mercury's energy respects you. He may be a trickster god, but he is a god nonetheless. So make of that what you will. On the 27th, the sun will be opposite Saturn, which may be seen as a tougher aspect if you are the kind of person who doesn't like to have to grow and let go of things that have stopped serving us, but instead have become limitations. As a sun parallel in a Saturn native, I can sympathize. And if sun Saturn aspects demand of us things that are not exactly fun. But there is a difference between a riverbed and a dam. Strictly speaking, both are structures, natural or artificial, which stop the flow of water in a river. However, a riverbed stops it from expanding sideways and losing momentum, because a river flowing in a narrow surface has more power than one spraying itself thin on an extended one. It's a good kind of structure. A dam instead stops the flow from moving forward. It provides a limitation that holds the water back and creates stagnation. Now, this is where the metaphor is really my favorite sort of metaphor. If you have a village that needs evacuating because of a flood, a dam stopping the river because it overflow before it overflows is a good thing. There are times when having strong limitations serves you. However, if you barely have any water in the river on an arid summer and you need to get some of that water to the village, the dam is in the way of what's best. So Saturn transits, and especially those that are aspecting the sun, are like wake-up calls to look at where we need structures, where we don't, and which structures serve us best when we do. I mentioned earlier that Mars will enter Libra, so our final transit before the full moon is on the 29th where Uranus stations retrograde in Taurus. And it's more of the same energy I was just talking about. Where in our lives do we have stagnation, both on a micro and macro level? 
After all, Jupiter will be joining in with the retrograde festival within days, as we will see in the next Star News segment. And before I look at the full moon and the cards for this period, I forgot to mention the fact that Venus is now the morning star again, having just left the heart of the sun, or what is called the Kazemi, and started a new cycle, which is a fairly complex topic that I'm not going to want to touch right now. I was doing my notes at midnight and even as a night owl with my natural bedtime apparently at 1.15am my body was starting to wind down and I didn't want to research it and now I still have a massive headache because I haven't actually slept so I just want to record it based on what I did write down yesterday instead of going back and adding to it the research on Venus. So I think I will have an episode on that though, because it's a really fascinating topic and I love the idea of actually diving deeper into Venus as one of the stars that we look at as cosmic witches. Anyway, the full moon in Pisces at last. It's happening way past my bedtime at 2.36am British summertime on August the 31st at 7 degrees of Pisces. And I think I was writing down the degrees because I wanted to start looking into degree theory but never mind. So with two other generational planets in the sign we are just one sign in opposition missing from having the same scenario <laughs> as the new moon but in a different element and modalities it's still a stellium so there's a lot going on. It is the infamous blue moon that gives the name of um, to the same of once in a blue moon to mean rarely. Although it's not really that rare unless you think of the few instances of the moon actually looking blue to the naked eye. But a blue moon is just the third full moon in a season with four of them and it tends to be like the second in a calendar month. There are no relevant aspects except for a conjunction with Saturn in the hours leading up to it. So now this is a less fun aspect than the sun one because the moon is our emotions and the deepest parts of ourselves. And we know the Capricorn moon has to be the archetype that's the hardest on themselves and the world out there. But it is happening in Pisces and it's happening before the moon turns full and starts waning. She's poetic because it's a literal release of all the things that are brought up with this transit. And Saturn in Pisces is asking us to reevaluate the lessons of the cycle that came before. That is the past generational cycle. And this is of course especially true of those having their Saturn return or square. Pisces is seen as this dreamy and out there sign, while Saturn is seen as a sign uh, as a planet that is strict and as close to reality as possible. And I think there is a tendency to misunderstand just how extensive reality might actually be. In my opinion, when it comes to humans and especially spirituality, but I do tend to be a subjectivist anyway, as strict materialism isn't being realistic, it's being pessimistic and trying to make yourself feel better about it with the kind of self-righteousness of the new atheism of the 90s and early 2000s. We are literally meat suits that are able to think and 
Doing that, we built the infrastructure that allows me to communicate with people I cannot see that do not live anywhere near me. And if you don't think that's incredible, I just can't understand you. I'm sorry. Anyway, I think it's a beautiful transition to happen right after this season of the podcast because it's relevant to the themes of who we think we are and what we believe is possible for us. Not in the kind of out there fantasy you use to self-soothe when you are dysregulated, but in terms of having a vision that underpins the choices you make on the way to making it happen. Because Saturn is as much of a strict killjoy as people make him out to be. Again, think of a metaphor of the river. Saturn just wants you to have a riverbed, so your energy is directed to making things come to fruition in the material reality that we experience. That's why if you believe in past lives and karma, it's Saturn that governs that. Because of course, he was the god of time in the mythology. And what is time if not our sense of our own mortal existence? So I was just literally listening to a podcast this morning, and I forget what it was which one it was but the host made the point that time flows through us and not us through time and I think that's like the best explanation I've ever heard of Saturn so I apologize I'm gonna go back figure out what it is and then credit in the show notes anyway this full moon then becomes about making sure we learn the lessons about discernment when it comes to our creativity because if we don't learn to focus our water we will waste it and its momentum but it's nothing to do with being quote-unquote realistic and playing small because saturn is not there to play small and tell pisces they can't envision the new world that they want as if you think about it in the traditional astrology before we had the discoveries of the new planets Saturn was the ruler of Aquarius as well and both Capricorn and Aquarius are in the southern hemisphere they're like big societal signs and that's a good topic to dive into in another episode as well anyway a recent edition for for the interesting newsletter shared a video about the difference between interest and obsession and how elite athletes who make it to the top are obsessed with practice, not just for the sake of it, but adjusting their performance, looking at small details that most would overlook. Like the really crazy things like that one millimetre that your foot is turned in the slightly wrong direction when you're trying to get the ball in the basket. That That's just like how perfectionist we're talking about and maybe actually wrong of me to call it perfectionist because I think the vibe of perfectionism is to expect something of yourself in order to see your self-worth but this level of obsession is people who know full well their self-worth and they know that they can do it and therefore they set a goal that may look crazy to someone else but is entirely realistic but that's kind of diverting a little if you think about it that's really the kind of Saturnian energy that I'm trying to impress on you is what Saturn is about and I'm really passionate about this you can probably tell I'm getting excited 
It's what makes the difference between those that make things happen and those that don't. It's, some people just have dreams because they want to have something to hold on to, and some people have visions that they will make reality. And if you think about it, the stuff that we take for granted, like the internet and other technology, was once upon a time seen as the absurd dream that would never become reality or someone who used to dream too much. But all these things that were once thought impossible, we have them. And we have them because someone had the discipline and drive to make them happen, instead of giving up because no one else had made it happen before. So, yeah, these are two weeks we have to dream bigger than ever leading up to this full moon. And that's the invitation I have for you with the cards for this period. The Nine of Swords reversed and the Two of Wands. For starters, it's interesting to me that they are in the two yang suits, air and then fire, in that order, which after this season on the podcast especially, but after I was just talking about, really reinforces the idea that we need to be mindful of our thoughts because they truly shape our reality. The Nine of Swords is about anxiety and our thoughts being the drivers of this anxiety being a little monster in our head and I'm aware that many, for many of us we cannot really escape just by being aware that they are just our thoughts and not for lack of a better word real because they are real we know the body holds on to things not just that happen to us when we're younger but like generational trauma and we know there are physiological reactions to our thoughts that have strong effects on what happens in the material sense so they couldn't be more real. But in the case of the nine reversed, we can see it as letting go of these patterns because we can focus inwards, bringing our awareness to these things and shining a light on them and facing our demons that zone, whatever that means. For some of us, just self-reflection, journaling and shadow work is enough. Some of us will need therapy. Some of us will need medication and whatever you need. There's no shame in needing more than others, but whatever facing your demons means to you, that's the invitation of this card. And that's also really timely because tomorrow's episode with Christian Jones is all about healing the witch wind. Anyway, then we skip the 10 and the ace and find ourselves in the two and also being the two of ones, which is quite literally a kind of the world is your oyster card. In my deck, the young man holds the world in his hand, as he does with one of the ones, while the other rests against his body, almost like a spear. So that symbolism to me shows that once we overcome the things that are limiting us, all the fears and limiting beliefs we have, then we are free to be creative and play in the realm of possibilities. And the possibilities are so many that you will pick one and have another there that you can still switch to. And there's like no real limitation. So this is the energy that I see for the next couple of weeks for our new star news segment. And I'll be back tomorrow with the season finale, but still enjoy this new moon in Leo for whatever is left of the day for you and keep living in wonder.